because of what he's shown me in uh, in the ones around me that I get to love on, that get to love on me, I've titled this Thorns on the Road to Paradise. Thorns on the Road to Paradise. And as we dig into this further, hopefully you'll get some meaning from this and you'll be able to identify because there is none among us who doesn't have thorns. There's none among us who's not on that road to paradise. There's none among us who can't be open our eyes, ears, and heart to receive more of our Lord and Savior. Just open yourself up and he'll just pour it out. Pour it out. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for another opportunity to serve, another opportunity to encourage and be encouraged by our sisters and brothers, another chance to try and get it right. So we just thank you for what you're doing in each and every one of our lives. We thank you for our sisters and brothers who love you uh, uh, so much. And we thank you for a God who loves us well beyond measure. So uh, we just give praise, honor, and glory to the one and only one who can keep us from falling. So have your way in this place, Father. And we pray, as always, that as we go through this, that your word would be rightly divided. And that we would walk out of this place knowing about you, more about you than when we came in. So again, may you receive the glory in every word that we utter and every deed that we do in this place tonight. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning king. Amen, amen, and amen. So um, again, guys, uh, what I, the heart that he's given me is I like to create a visual. I like to help you to identify with what we're talking about here. If we're talking about Paul, uh, I, the God that I know, the God that you are getting to know, is not a respecter of persons. So everything that he's done for Paul, everything that he's done for anyone in the Bible, he'll do for you. And don't think that, well, yeah, well, Paul was a little bit different because he was a little bit more zealous than I am. And it really wasn't that. Because when you think about any character in the Bible that you can pull out, Think about their frailty. Think about the things that cause them to, to rise. Think about the things that cause them to fall and identify that with yourself. That's what I say as we go along. So don't think in terms of, well, he's just talking about Paul. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about each and every one of you individually and idea collectively. And, and the other thing that I got to say before we dig in is one of the things that most of us struggle with is Separation. Separation from people that we love, family, friends, coworkers, uh, church members, whatever. There are times when God knows that there is greater growth, spiritual growth through separation. So he'll separate you from that person or those, that crowd or those, that, that family. He'll separate you because he knows there's opportunity for more growth. So I just want you to be aware. This is not breaking news, but some of you don't realize that, that sometimes the Lord will take you away or take that away from you just so you can grow. Because sometimes we allow the people that we surround ourselves with to stun our growth in the Lord. Sometimes we allow the people that we're around to not grow because of us. And we see ourselves being, you know, godly people, grounded, uh, well-versed in, in scripture. But we don't realize that we can be a part of that Laodicean church. But we don't often see it. Someone else can see it. Well, we're comfortable. We're Americans. We've got all the stuff. So we're very comfortable. 
And there's a danger in that. And we'll talk about that tonight as well. So just be open to see yourself in this situation as we read. So let's dig in. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Verse 1, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And this is what, what Paul's doing. Paul's saying that it's not profitable for him to boast. But the Judaizers is who he's dealing with. The Judaizers were anxious to receive honor from men. We have to be careful. That's a dangerous position to be in. If we're looking to receive honor from men, we will let you down. We will disappoint you. And I'm not going to stand here and say, well, yeah, he's a man of God. He's the pastor. He's whatever, the worship leader. He won't deceive you. Nonsense. Just by the fact that that person is wrapped in flesh, they will disappoint you. They will. We will. I'm including myself in that because I'm wrapped in flesh. You may not be able to see it from that angle, but I am. I am. And, and there's no denying. But Paul did not look for honor from men. He allowed God to honor him. That is the only honor that really matters. Now, as I go through this tonight, I will tell you, folks, the, the, the one thing that I struggle with, and, and maybe some of you more spiritual people can help me with this, when God allows and when God causes. And you say, well, well, God allowed this to happen in my life so I could maybe separate myself. Did God cause it or did God allow it? This is something that we have to make these decisions ourselves. Did God allow it? Did God, God cause this to happen? Because it, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Example, um, if God took a loved one away, did God cause that or did God allow that? You say, well, why would God, why would a, and we've heard this 99 times, why would a loving God allow something like that to happen? Did he cause it or did he allow it? Because he knows that I love this person. He knows that I love this child. And I, I like to use children as an example. That's where my heart is. Did God allow this child to be taken away? Or did he cause it? And that's what we got to ask ourselves. And, and you say, well, a loving God would never do that. On the contrary, that's exactly why he did it. The God had a better plan for that child than you did. God had a better plan for that husband, that wife, that cousin, whatever, than you did. And now we, it challenges us because we want God to just do everything in a loving way. But we are limited to define what love really is. How many in this room can say that they live a life where their love is agape? None. None, because no matter how loving we are, there's conditions. Agape love is not conditional. I'm going to love you and love you and love you until I can't love you anymore. That's where we are. And then he just keeps pouring it out and pouring it out and pouring it out. And that's where we want to be. We just want to just overflow us with love. So I say, wow, I've got so much. I'm just going to give it away. And that's where he wants us to just keep loving and loving and loving. But again, back to these thorns. Uh, Paul, Paul uh, shared three experiences of God in, in these verses. The first one was uh, glory. God honored him. God 
God gave, showed him glory. Uh, uh, God helped Paul. God showed God. God showed Paul grace by humbling him. And we have to know what it means to be humble. If you're not humble, then you're not really dedicated to the cause. You have to be. Because if you're not humble, then it's all about you. And it can never be about you. It can never be about me. We have to learn. And some of us are getting there, but it's a hard lesson. We have to learn to esteem others above ourselves. And that is so challenging. But what about my needs? What about my wants? But God says, Jesus, others, and then you. We don't like that setup. We want to be first and foremost. But God says, that's not my heart. You want to have a heart like me? You're going to place them above. And this is uh, something that being in the ministry, any ministry, I don't care what it is, whether you're the pastor, kitchen ministry, housekeeping, you have to place. You don't have to. I'll take that back. You don't have to. You should put everyone above yourself. Everyone. Jesus, others, you, in that order. There's no other order. God also showed Paul um, the, the, his goodness, and he's showing us his goodness. When I say Paul, I'm talking about you. He shows you his grace. He's showing how, he, how, he, how you honor him, and he's showing you how to be humble. Are we getting it? And it's a process. Absolutely, because it just goes on and on and on. God honored Paul by giving him visions and revelations, and he did that six times uh, in the book of Acts. He gave him visions and revelations, and, and we'll talk about some of those uh, in, in just a little bit. And uh, Paul, Paul just, uh, he, he really understood what it was like when the Lord was blessing him to be, to be very careful that when and if he boasted that he would boast in the Lord. Nothing that Paul did, nothing that you and I do that in and of ourselves, because in and of ourselves we have nothing. In and of ourselves we are nothing. In and of ourselves we can do nothing. But with Christ all things are possible. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but all I'm encouraging you guys to do is live it. We are very good at lip service. Yeah, I love the Lord. I'll do anything to honor him. I'll do anything to, to bring his glory to, to my sisters and my brothers. Are you living it, though? You've heard me say this before. They see your life long before they hear your words. Live it. Live it. Live it. Oh, that, that, that person is really sold out for, for Jesus. He or she is really sold out for Jesus because of their lives. And you know I know people who talk about it. They talk, oh, praise the Lord, brother. I'm doing these wonderful things for the Lord. Yeah, but who are these wonderful things benefiting? You. That's not God's heart. Uh, Paul saw a vision of Ananias coming to minister to him in 2 Corinthians 9 through 9, 12. He saw visions of that. And you can't imagine, uh, because we have limited vision, what that really means. You get to minister. You get to minister to your uncle, Uncle John, you know, who's on the most wanted list. You, know. you get to minister to him. That's a blessing. You get to minister to Aunt Mary, who when they see her coming, they get on the other side of the street. You get to minister to them. 
Praise the Lord. Those are the visions. This is what Paul saw. Paul had a vision from God when Paul was called to minister to the Gentiles. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Uh, because now, I want you to go down on the corner and minister to those guys and girls standing on the corner. But Lord, I can't do that. I can't. But yet and still, we laugh at Jonah. Wow, what a maroon Jonah was. Because the Lord is calling him to go and minister to these, these, these folks. These, these, uh, uh, and, and he just doesn't want to. I don't like them. What, what do you do when the Lord says, I want you to go down and minister to the, that group of people that you have a distaste for? What do you do? Now he's challenging you. He's challenging your heart. Are you going to do this? And even within this, these walls, on any given Sunday morning, you see a new face in the building. What do you do? Do you shy away from them, or do you go and join your regular group? Do you get to know them? Do you get a chance to say, hello, how are you? Who are you? Do you get a chance or take the opportunity to talk to them? That's what the Lord wants from us. And in this case, with Paul, it was these Gentiles. These are dogs. These are dogs. I'm not going to minister to dogs. What a waste of time that is. What if God felt that way about us? Where would we be today? We wouldn't be sitting here. Where would we be? We're dogs. Nobody wants to touch us. Nobody wants to even pray for us. They certainly don't want to pray with us. What do you do? So this is what, what the challenge for Paul. In, uh, in spiritual revelations of the divine truth, design, divine truth were constantly communicated to Paul relative to his call and ministry. You're all in the ministry. Everybody in this room is in the ministry. Well, I don't really do anything. I don't really teach the word. I don't really teach Sunday school. I don't cook. I don't clean the tables. You're in ministry, folks. You're in ministry. You're ministering to me right now. Just the fact that I know, because I feel that way, some of you will be a lot more comfortable on the couch watching, I don't know, whatever. I don't know what's on. Some of you would be more comfortable doing that or just doing pretty much anything. I'm home. Uh, it's not that bad a day outside, but I would rather be in my house on the couch, maybe catching a nap or, or catching up on something. That's us. But you're here. You're here. You made the effort to come out and hear what you know, the Lord has to say. And that's huge. Don't ever take it for granted. There's a lot. There's a lot. So you are in the ministry. You're, you're a Barnabas. You're an encourager. Just by the fact that you're here, you're an encourager. You're, you're encouraging not just me, but the people around. You're people right here, and right now, right in f here who are struggling. Right now. They need somebody to pray with them. They need somebody to pray for them. But now some of you might not have heard this word I'm going to use. It's called pride. Anybody here ever heard of this word? Nobody. Good. Good. Glad to hear that. So that's, now that's not an issue with this, this group of folks. No pride issues here. But that's what happens. That's what gets in the way when it's just that I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with family issues. I'm struggling with personal issues. I'm struggling with my finances. But I can't really talk to anybody. I don't want anybody to know that I'm struggling. And see, I, I wish I was like that brother. Man, he has no struggles at all. He's always, everything's always good. And everything's not good. It's just that that person's not sharing with you 
We all got struggles, and that's what those thorns are. For Paul, they were different than they are, they are for you and me, but you've got them. They're thorns. You're on the road to paradise. You're on the road to the, to, to the, uh, to the heavens, but there's struggles in your life. Nobody's got it going on. Nobody that you know, nobody that I know has it going on. They will tell you that, but they don't. Even the best of us got issues. And even if it's not something that you're doing outwardly, me personally, my thought life is atrocious. And I'm, I'm being honest. I'm just confessing. It's horrible. So if some of you, maybe one or two of you who know that in this room that know that, it's horrible. It's a good thing you don't see that. And, and thank God that he did not give us the gift of reading hearts. <laughs> because I know that, oh, there's Richard walking on the hall. Let me slap him, you know, just against the head because this guy, oh, I can't believe what he's thinking. And that's us. That's all of us. And I thank God that I don't know your heart. I thank God that I get to see your face. And, and I can, even though I say don't judge, I do. I judge you guys. And some of you probably judge me. But God has not allowed us to do that because he knows our frailty. And we'll get to the point where we don't really like anybody. Some of us feel that way right now, but still, it would be even worse. So keep, we'll just keep going. Uh, no, no, no matter where Paul was, whether he was in prison, in the deep waters, or in dangerous travels, he knew that God was with him and that all was well with him. It is well with my soul. Paul knew that. He knew that no matter what was going on. And that's what I want us to feel. That's my encouragement to you, all of us. No matter where you are, God is part of God's plan. And we, because of our limited vision and insight, we determine what's good and what's bad. That's a bad situation. Who says it? I fail. Who said? Who said that? Who told you that you fail? The only reason that you can define failure or success is by looking around. Otherwise, you don't know. You don't know when you fail. But I'm not doing as good as my neighbor. How do you know how your, late, how your neighbor's sleeping at night? How do you know what, what is going through his or her heart? But these, these guys got all the stuff. They got all the stuff that, that we're aiming for. They got all the toys. There's a price to be paid for having all the toys. Because now the question is, do you own the toys or do the toys own you? Ask yourself that question. We got a really nice home. Great. We own a nice home. Are you sure that home doesn't own you? Nice car. I had a nice car once. Long ago. <laughs> Do you own that or does that own you? And these are the kind of questions that we have to understand. And, and no matter where Paul was going through, some of us are familiar with all the things that Paul went through. We won't go into that for the sake of time. But he went through so much, so much. Yet... He never gave up. That's what I say to you and you and you. Don't give up. Don't give up because that family member is, is casting you out because you didn't show up at the wedding. Don't be concerned about the fact that, they're, they're, that you've been excommunicated because your husband or your wife found someone better than you. God is working in that. 
God is, has a hand in that. No matter what it is, he has a hand. And don't allow us to say what's good and what's bad. God is doing a great thing because the same God that is with you in the valley, the very same God that's with you in the mountaintop. Don't ever forget that. We have a marvelous encouragement in the fact that today, today, right now, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Right now. Seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Can that be taken away from us? No, it can't. No, it can't. He's got a place for you, and it's reserved for you. Now, the problem is this thing that, he, that we hear about called free will. You're always given a choice. And we're making those choices day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. When we come to those forks in the road, choose this day who you will serve. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes not so much. But God is still there. He's got his hands on us. And and I can attest to this personally. He's got his hands on us. He's guiding us through whatever situation we're in. So we don't ever have to be afraid. We don't ever have to wonder, is he with me? In their times, you've experienced it where it seemed like he was so far away. He'll give you your space. But he's saying, come to me. Come to me. And we get all the encouragement that we want from the Bible. The question is, are you willing? And you say, well, I would love to serve the Lord, but look at what I've got to give up. What do you got to give up? Well, my friends, they go out and they have a lot of fun, and, and I really miss those days. Did you really have fun? I mean, think about it. Did you really? And I know some of these are here, and, and what they call fun, it's like once they got past it, it's like, oh, my goodness, what a waste. And that's what we are. And as we grow, as we mature in the Lord, we're going to see that more and more and more and more, even the things that we think are fun now. Once we get past it, what a waste. And, and I know there's several who can identify to what I'm saying. There's some people who are younger. They haven't, may not have had those experiences yet. But you will. You will. The things that we think or this is really what it's all about, it's not about that. The sooner you give your heart to him, the better off you're going to be. Right now, you're existing. But once you give your heart to him, you're living. There's a big difference between living and existing. So let's live. Let's honor him. And uh, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, as it says in Ephesians 2, 6. And we have a position of authority and victory far above all. Far above all. Authority, victory, far above all. Do you really, can you really comprehend that, what it means to have that freedom, that victory over all the things that we struggle with on a daily basis? All the, all the things that have entrapped us, all the things that have us in bondage. Can you even try and visualize what it would be like to, to be able to, to have that taken away? And some of you know because you've gone through some physical illnesses, you've gone through some family issues, you've gone through financial turmoil, you're going through just, just maintaining a friendship with a loved one, and God fixed it. And now you're on to something else. Don't forget that. Don't forget what he's done. The Lord knows how to balance our lives. If we have only blessings, we may become proud. 
How's it going, sister? Ah, oh, praise the Lord. He is blessing us like you wouldn't believe. That's good. Be thankful that he is blessing you. Don't become proud in that. Don't take it for granted that, okay, he's begun. He's, he's really doing these wonderful things for us, my family and I. He's really doing these good things for my mom, my dad. So there's nothing that says he has to continue that. And he's not going to change it as long as they're honoring him. That's what we need to do. That's what I encourage us to do, to honor him. And God permits us to have burdens as well. That's a hard part for us. That's very difficult that a God, a loving God, would allow me to have burdens. That doesn't make any sense. If he loves me, then he's going to give me a life of paradise. He's going to allow me to live in that bed of roses without thorns. But here's the thing, and it's hard for some of us to comprehend. Because he loves you, he has to do that. Because he love you, loves you, he will allow burdens. Because he loves you, he will take away the things that we adore. Because he loves you, he has to take away that thing that we think is more important than our relationship with him. Got to remember, folks, the word tells us he's a jealous God. And you guys know what that's like. You know what that's like. There's someone that you love, and you think that they should not have anything else before you. If you love me, you wouldn't love this thing as much. Or you wouldn't love this, this, whatever it is, as much. But because he loves us, he does that. He will give us those burdens. And that's why he says, bring them, throw them at my feet. I'll take care of it. He doesn't want you to live that way. But it's a choice that we make, that we choose to carry these burdens. But we have a choice. Uh, we will never understand the mystery of human suffering. You won't. You won't. You can't. You can't. You don't have the mental capacity to understand why God does what God does. I mentioned earlier, and, and I give the example that most of us can relate to, whether you lost a son, a daughter, mother, father, all of the above. Can you possibly understand why God would do that? No, it doesn't. I, no, I don't. I don't. I don't understand that. She was such a wonderful person. He was such a wonderful person. Why would the Lord take him away? He, the Lord could have done so much with him. So now who's God? Who's being God? Are you a better God than the God that we know? No, you're not. Who is being God? So let's not say that, you know, he made a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. He's incapable of making a mistake. If he took that person, their work here was done. This is it. Yeah, you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on home and chill out with me. That's where he is. That's where our God is. Uh, our, and sometimes we suffer simply because we are human. Our bodies change as we grow older. And if anybody here who doesn't understand, talk to me after service. I could tell you stories. Uh, the same body that brings us pleasure can also bring us pain. The same family members and friends that delight us can also break our heart. Anybody in this room ever had a broken heart? Nobody? Good, good. Good audience. Glad to hear that. So you don't know what it's like to have your heart broken. 
It's, it's something that, that is hard for us as humankind to understand. Uh, sometimes we suffer because we are foolish and disobedient. Disobedience. Disobedient to the Lord. Our own rebellion may affect us or the Lord may see fit to chasten us in his love. As it says in Hebrew 12, 3. Chasten. Chasten me. And the, the ones among us who have children can relate to that. I love my child, so I'm just going to allow him or her to do whatever they want as long as it makes them happy. I'm not going to chasten them. Lord does not take that attitude. He has to. Because I love you, I'm going to chasten you. I know that what you're doing now is going to lead to ruination. So I'm going to chasten you. I'm going to call you in on the carpet and let you know that what you're doing is going to be dire consequences because I love you. That's why I do this. So I'm not just going to let you just go and do whatever you want, when you want, how you want. I'm going to chasten you. I'm going to let you know that I'm still going to give you a choice. I'm still going to offer free will, but there are going to be consequences to your actions. It's hard. God forgives our sins, but he must permit us to reap what we sow. Uh, again, we don't, we don't, we we have grace, we have mercy, but we should never take those for granted. He will forgive us, but he will also allow or cause us to reap what we sow. And you heard it from pastor, you heard it from pretty much everybody who gets up here. Every sin has consequences, but that wasn't a big deal. Everybody does it. That doesn't penetrate his ears or his heart, the fact that everybody's doing it. Look at the world around us. Do you really want to fit in? And I'm going to answer this for all of you. The answer is no, you don't. You don't. You know, for you news junkies, it's got to be horrible to see what's going on. And, and even more so when it's from the highest office in the land. The attitude, the language, the me, me, me. It's all about me. This is what's happening. But don't be surprised because he said that if I don't come back, no one's going to survive. And you can look around and you can see that even now. Look at what's going on around us. Lawlessness and how a, a small group of people is trying to define how we live, how we talk, what we wear, what we eat. A small group of people, a small group, group of people that's trying to indoctrinate us into believing that their lifestyle is normal. It's common. No big deal. Why are you guys making a big deal out of this? You guys are so narrow-minded, short-sighted, until you're not willing to accept the fact that I choose to live a different lifestyle. How dare you call this an abomination? It's not us calling it an abomination. It's in the book. That's where it is. This is not our opinion of things. This is what the Lord says. This is what we live by. These are the rules. These are the guidelines for us. It calls an abomination. But I think you guys should be more tolerant. But think about this. Is that a two-way tolerance or a one-way tolerance? And so if it's one way, it's really not tolerance now, is it? We want you guys to accept the way we are, but we certainly aren't going to accept the way you are. So, whoa, wait, wait a minute. We have a double standard working here. 
but they're okay with that. And we're going to bombard you guys with all this, doc, all this nonsense so you'll think that what we're doing, the way we're living, is normal. That's what we're going to do. We're going to bombard you in every part of the media. We're going to invade your life in commercials. It's going to be on all the, the magazines, newspapers, wherever we can get it. We want you to get to the point where you say, you know what? I give up. I surrender. Let them have what they want. We've got to take a stand, folks. We have to. This is not an option. Because what's next? And every time I get to, to, to minister from this, this pulpit, I have to ask you guys, what's next? You can't imagine. You can't, could you imagine Anybody in this room ever imagine that we would be where we are right now? Can you imagine that this, this small group of folks is making all this noise and, and causing us to change? Could you imagine the things that are, that are overpowering our lives right now that we don't agree with? We can't cave in. We can't give in. We can't surrender. And if nothing else, prayer changes things. It does. Prayer changes things. Let's pray. We just continue to pray that, that, that lives will be changed and that this will never in our hearts be accepted as normal. Never. We have so much to stand up for. Again, back to us who have children and grandchildren. That's what they're going to be subjected to because they bought into the media in every sense. They bought into the lies in every sense. And that's what they've got to contend with. And I don't know the origin of this statement, but some of you do. If you tell a lie so many times, folks will believe it. It's true. Again, for you guys who are older than me, I don't know if there is anybody, but you probably know the origin of that. And it's true. We're, we're living that day by day. As I look out among the ones here and I think about the young people and what they're being subjected to, lies. It's all lies. This is normal. This is, this is how we should be. You've got to be open-minded. You, know, you just got to allow your heart to, to be enlarged so you can accept somebody who's not like you. Accept someone who chooses to live differently than you do. Somebody who says, yeah, this, this book was good for, this, for 2,000 years ago, but things have changed now. It's a totally different world. And God forbid that they say that God made a mistake. God forbid. But they do. <sighs> uh, when God permits suffering, how do we handle it? How do you handle it? And, and I've listed three things here that, that, that we need to challenge ourselves with. Do we become bitter and blame God for robbing us of freedom and pleasure? Do we give up and as a result fail to get any blessings out of the experience? Do we grit our teeth and put on a brave front and keep moving forward? What do you do when you feel that God has dealt you an injustice? What do you do? How do you handle it? Again, this is personal. Think about it, how you handle it. Verse 2, 
I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, whether not of the body, I do not know. God knows such a one who was caught up in the third heaven. And to understand what that means, uh, and, and I won't give you the scripture references right now because there's several, but the first heaven is the earth's atmosphere. The second heaven is the interplanetary interstellar space. And the third heaven is the abode of God. And, and to some of you that may be confusing, you know, why? Why is that? If you, if you got that question, you know, we, if, you, if you want to ask that question, we'll, we'll confront it. But it's really not that important for the sake of this conversation. It's just important that, that we know that God is in it. It's, it's all about God. And that's our primary concern, that you know who that is. And that you get to the point where you know whose you are. We want you to be a child of God. That's our desire. That's why we do what we do. Because our mission is to make sure that there's no one anywhere that does not know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That's our mission. That's what we're here for. So what do you do? Um, verse 3. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Paul was so overwhelmed by his heavenly vision that he did not know the precise details. However, whether he was caught up bodily into heaven, as it, at like Enoch in Genesis 5.24 and Elijah in 2 Kings 2.11, or his spirit was temporarily separated from his body, it's not important. You've had spiritual revelations. I know there are some in this room who've had spiritual revelations. Is it really important about the details? It really isn't. God did something in your life or doing something in your life. And now you're accepting that. You're accepting the fact that he wants to love. He just loves you so much until he wants you to see beyond the realm of the humankind. When God gives you revelation, oh, my goodness, what a coincidence that is that I should be confronted with this person at this day and this time. Nonsense, folks. There is no coincidence. There are no coincidences in God. Just by chance that I met this person today and, and she ministered to me or he ministered to me and my heart was full. There's no just by chance. God has a plan. God has a plan. God has a plan. And he's carrying it out. And when those things happen, don't attribute it to good luck, whatever that means. Don't attribute it to just by chance. Don't co coincidence. None, none of that. God is in the works, no matter what it is. He's in the works. So let's give him praise and honor. And uh, his spirit, Paul's uh, spirit was temporarily separated from his body. And some of us have been there. When the Lord has given you such a strong revelation, it seemed like an out-of-body experience. And it can happen. Nothing's impossible for God. So when he's showing you things, he's giving you a vision of an area that you need to stay away from. He's giving you a vision of people, a person that you need to stay away from. He's never wrong. And if he's giving you that, you say, my gut feeling. What about my heart feeling? This is what God instilled in me. This is what God imputed in my, in my soul that I have to avoid this area 
because it's going to lead to temptation. And that temptation is going to lead us to sin. And that sin is going to lead us to consequences. And that consequences is going to lead us to death. That's the pattern, folks. It's always been, always will be. So we got to be careful. If God places it on your heart, you know, say, well, God placed this on my heart today, but I think he wants me to do it next week. If God wants you to do it next week, he would have told you next week. God put that on your heart today, tonight. Carry it out. Don't delay. Well, I'm not really being disobedient. I'm just putting it off for a while. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I don't care how you look at it. If he says act on this tonight, act on this tonight. If he says I'm giving you this revelation that I want you to act on it tomorrow, act on it tomorrow. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of anything. Don't be afraid of anyone. Because if you love them enough, you want them to know the truth. Don't be afraid of that, that uncle or that aunt that you have a hard time with. Don't be afraid of them. Tell them the truth. That's what God would do. Verse 4. How he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for man to utter. Because the word, words were for Paul alone, Paul was forbidden to repeat them, even, even though he could have expressed them coherently. And we read where God says, okay, I've healed you, now go and tell no one. That makes no sense. If God healed me, why wouldn't he want me to tell everyone? But he didn't, tell, he didn't say that in all cases. Some cases he said, tell no one. There's a reason for that. Because they start to really focus on the miracle rather than the person who performed the miracle. And God knows that. So he'll say, well, God really blessed us with this, I don't know, money perhaps. So now I got to make sure that everybody knows. He says, go and tell no one. Because now that's how they're going to look. Oh, he's a genie in the bottle. He just gives me what I want. And that's really what it's all about. No, it isn't. It's about him. It's about worshiping him, focusing on him. Verse 5, of such a one I will boast, yet, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. The songster says, I will not boast in anything, no gifts, no power, no wisdom, but I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. Think on that. It's not about you. What are you going to boast about? What you did? How smart you are? How you're a self-made person? I did this all by myself. No, folks. You're deceiving yourselves, if, even if you begin to think that way. Remember what he said. You can be nothing. You can do nothing. You are nothing in and out of yourself. But with me, all things are possible. It's all about him. For though, verse 6, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me or be or hears from me. If Paul wished to boast about his unique experience, he would not be a fool because it's true. But he didn't boast. 
Everything was about Jesus. He refrained from boasting about it, however, because he wanted the Corinthians to judge him uh, based on their observations of his ministry, not on his visions. I want you to judge me based on what you see. I want you to judge me to, to uh, judge me based on what you hear from me. Not any preconceived notion, not anything the, the about, well, God granted me this vision, you know, many, many years ago, and I'm living on that today. No. What's he, what he's doing here, what he's doing now. That's our God. So don't boast in you. Boast in him. And let's keep it in the proper perspective because it's so hard to get it out of control. It's so hard to keep it in perspective because he's doing wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things. Is that because he thinks that you're more special than anyone else? No. He provides our needs. He provides your needs, my, my needs, according to his will, his purpose, his word, his will, his way. That's what he does. So we can't take credit for anything. Verse 7, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, in my years of, of learning and teaching, um, one of the things that, that I re- recognized during this particular lesson is I was always taught that these Thorns in Paul's flesh were physical affirmities. I've always taught that he, his, he had a problem with his eyes, that they were running and, and, and red and, and itchy, or with his physical appearance, you know, a, a beak nose and, and really frail, thin. I was always told that. But as I start to read this, uh, for this particular message, I realized that I, I got a different vantage point now. It's not about Paul's physical attributes or lack of. It was the fact that Paul had been exposed to people, Judaizers in this case, that were causing him a problem. These guys wouldn't go away. They wanted to teach the false gospel. And Paul, and as far as they were concerned, Paul was standing in their way. Paul was creating havoc for them because... You, you, we're teaching the people one thing to benefit us, and now you're teaching them something that's going to benefit their relationship with Jesus. Paul, you're, you're becoming a problem for us. And this revelation was sent to him by God to keep him humble. As with Job, Satan was the immediate cause, but God was the ultimate cause. It's not God didn't allow. God caused this to happen. God caused these Judaizers to be in the way to humble Paul. Because it was something that Paul had no control over. He couldn't. So all he could do was teach the word of God. Just be about your father's business. That's all he asked. Be about your father's business. And, and, uh, but God was the ultimate. Paul's use of the word messenger from Satan suggests the thorn in the flesh was a demon person. Not a physical illness. And this is the first time that, that I came to this, this revelation. Me personally. And some of you saw it, you know, 20 years ago. I did not. Because I was taught that it was the thorn in the flesh was Paul's physical affirmities. And I'm not saying it isn't. Don't misunderstand me. 
this is just what I got from this this time. But over the years, it's been totally different. So uh, my thorn in the flesh was, uh, uh, for some of you, uh, respiratory issues. That's our, that's, that was that firm, that, that thorn in the flesh. Some of you, uh, the firm in the flesh is that, that, that child that, ugh. I mean, you just want to lay hands on them a lot, you know? That, that, could, that could be it. And, and other things, some of you, stomach issues or whatever, uh, constant headaches, physical limitations for different, different, for all different for all of us. But it may not necessarily be that. It could be something else. And this assault for Paul was painful, but it was purposeful. God was causing Satan to bring him severe trouble in the church for the purpose of humbling Paul, who having so many revelations, including a trip to heaven and back. How many of us have had that? A trip to heaven and back would have been proud. The demonized false apostle attacking Paul's work in Corinth was a stake being driven through Paul's otherwise proud flesh. There's a stake being driven through our flesh. I don't know what it is. The Lord knows what it is. No one's exclusive. There's a stake being driven through every flesh in this room right now, right this minute. No, brother, I have no issues. Okay, moving on. Verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Paul, longing for relief from his painful hindrance to his ministry, went to his Lord, begging him to remove it. The demons are only subject to God's authority. All demons are subject to God's authority. All the demons are really after me today. Satan's really busy. They're subject to God's authority. Satan has no power. He has no teeth that can bite you. Whatever you allow is all that can happen. God has the ultimate decision. God has the last word on that. And if you need some reassurance, go back and reread Job. I know we've all read it. Go back and read it again and try and understand that God was in control of that whole situation from beginning to the end. God knew. So Satan had no power. God had to allow this to happen, and that's what he does in our case. He allows what we're going through right now. He allows that heartbreak. He allows that physical infirmities to happen. He allows us to, to have a heart that is really not devoted to him. He allows that. And uh, God's, uh, Jesus made his request three times in the garden Three times in the Garden of Gethsemane, both Paul and Jesus had their request denied, but were granted grace to ensure their ordeals. You're granted grace to ensure your ordeal. Grace is, and I just read the next line, the next verse rather than, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. My grace is sufficient. No matter what, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what's coming up, his grace is sufficient. And that's challenging for us. 
that is very challenging because we want him to just take it away. Lord, you know I struggle with this thing. Just take it away. I struggle with this person. Just take them away. My grace is sufficient. I want you to be able to get through this situation by depending on me. Because now in this situation, you're weak. And your weakness is my strength. He wants us to understand that. Not just say it, but to live it, folks. Can you live that? Will you live that? Knowing that you're strong in him and him alone. Verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in affirmities and reproaches in needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sakes. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That doesn't make any sense. What kind of statement is that? When I am weak, then I am strong. That's absurd. How can that be? Because now in my weakness, I surrender. So now I, I'm in a position where I have to depend on him to be my strength. And he will never let you down. Some of you have been through some horrible ordeals. But he brought you through it. And in some way, whether it be small or large, relative from a human perspective, you're still honoring him. Just by the fact that you're here tonight means you're honoring him. Just by the fact that you're willing to sit there and listen for whatever time it is, you're still honoring him. Just by the fact that when you hear this, now it takes on a totally different meaning, maybe, for some of you. And some of you, it's just confirmation that God wants to do great things in your life. Uh, we got friends in our church body who, who need us, lots of them. We got to seek them out. You have a responsibility. Like it or not, you have a responsibility to minister to that person. How do you get to know them? The way that you get to know them is to get to know them. That's it. Sister, how's it going? And if, if she says, well, you know, well, praise the Lord, brother. I'm doing great. Really? Wow. It's funny. It doesn't show. But we can say that. We're good at lip service. But get, go deeper. Go deeper. Ask them, well, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? Hey, brother, how's it going? Praise the Lord, brother. Tip top. Really? How's the family? Well, some issues. It's okay. That's not a good sign. Can we pray for you? Can we pray with you? And these are, this is what we need to do, right? We need to be real Christians. All of us, we need to be real. We need to be real and make sure that we're committed to the cause. Make sure that we're being about our Father's business. Make sure that we're serious when we say that we're honoring the Lord in our deeds, in our words. Make sure some of us aren't. And again, we, we can't judge. We're all guilty of that. On any given day, at any given time, we're guilty. But let's rest in him. Let's allow him to be our all in all. Let's allow him to control everything that we do, everything that we say. 
Let's have a heart for God. Let's have a heart that's, that's tender, warm, caring about our sisters and brothers in Christ. And, and we can sit here and we can talk about it. But I encourage you to be about it. Not just talk, but walk it. The weaker the human instrument, the more clearly God's grace shines forth. So true. So true. And it's not about the physical aspects of it. It's about what's bringing you down. What's keeping you from opening up? What's keeping you from committing all in all to our Lord, our Lord, and, Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? What's in the way? What's the obstacle? What's the hindrance? Ask yourself that. Paul took no pleasure in the pain itself, but rejoiced in the power of Christ that it revealed through him. Let's be Paul-like in that respect. Let's be Paul-like. I'm going to allow myself to go through this because I know in the end, Jesus is glorified. I know in the end that he is exalted. I know in the end that I'm growing closer to him. I'm maturing. I have more of a heart for him than ever before. Let's go beyond words. Let's do it. Let's be about it. Time is growing short. We're almost home, folks. Some of you may not realize it, but when you look around, look around now. What has to happen in order for Jesus to come back? What, what is missing? What event has to take place right now for Jesus to come back? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Got to be ready. No one knows the day or the time. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Father, we thank you for how you blessed us so richly. And I pray that we never take for granted what a loving God we serve. For those who among us who are battling physical infirmities, I pray that you would get to know the great physician. I pray for those among us who are, are heavy, where life is heavy laden and they're downtrodden, that they get to know that great encourager. I pray for those who feel lost, that you're so far away from them. I just pray that they remember that you are the God that leaves the 99 and goes to the one. And for those whose hearts are just broken from just the world just beating them up, Father, I just pray that they remember that you said, cast your burdens, our burdens at your feet, Father. You will take it. We love a God who's bigger than our problem. And I pray, Father, that we would always be mindful of that, that we would just continue to give you honor and glory in everything, Father. Father, and as we take communion tonight, Father, I, I just pray that our sisters and our brothers would understand the true meaning of that. Do this in remembrance of me. I know that because of our human frailty, we have a tendency to forget. We have a tendency to leave our first love. The danger in that is so great. 
We're just exposing ourselves to whatever the world has to dish out, Father. So I pray that as we do communion, that, that we would just uh, remember what it's all about, honoring you, your death, and your resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your will. Thank you for your way. We give it all to you now in the name of Jesus our Christ. Amen.